This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now in Britain, for the next few days, the country will be consumed by a remarkable event, it is the Platinum Jubilee, the celebration of 70 years of Queen Elizabeth on the throne in England. She has been a remarkable public figure, and even many people who don't regard the institution of the monarchy very highly still have respect and affection for Queen Elizabeth. And the other news, of course, that is being drowned out at the moment is that Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, appears to be in deep trouble with the Tory party and they may well emerge after the Jubilee celebrations end on Monday that the 54 letters required to cause Mr Johnson to face a challenge that Mark will be met in the 1922 committee and he will have to fight to save his leadership. We're joined now from London by Chris Johns. Chris, of course, former chief economist of the Bank of Ireland and now a very respected commentator. Chris, the Queen first. In Ireland, you always have to call her Queen Elizabeth. If you say the Queen, you go into the bad books. But I always think of her as the Queen and I always think of her as quite a remarkable person. In all the circumstances, her father died young. She was called to duty early. She was a beautiful young woman. In all her time, and through all the difficulties of her time, she doesn't appear to have put a foot wrong herself. There have been the occasional stumble. Uh, Diana, for example, the royal family's reaction yes, of to course. that is yes. one small cavil. But overall, the thrust of your remarks are absolutely spot on. She retains the affection of pretty much everybody in the UK, even, uh, as you say, Republicans. And I would count myself as one of that one of that crowd. Uh, I would not be a fan of the monarchy as an institution. It doesn't make an awful lot of 
logical sense to me, but I do know that logic doesn't really uh, play much of a role here. I think anthropologists, psychologists, and sociologists would have to come together to explain just how uh, powerful the, the the hold that the Queen Elizabeth um, does hold over the, over the British people. It's it's grown over the seventy years. If you think about Britain seventy years ago in nineteen fifty two, it was a completely different country compared to the one that we exist in now, socially, culturally, economically. Yes, um, incredibly different. Rationing still existed in nineteen fifty two, and a whole bunch of other. Um, things that the, the country has been very has, has changed radically during that seventy-year uh, period. Uh, but the one thing that has stayed the same, and I think that this is one source of comfort for, for the British people living through much, through so much change, is that the Queen has stayed there as a constant. I think that she stands as a an example of what everybody needs, actually, which is something that binds you to your community, to to your yes. country, and um, without perhaps veering over into too much nationalism uh, and, and, and all the rest of, of the problems that, that go with that. She represents continuity, but she represents something that has changed a lot o- over that period in, in, in that she clearly is aware of her duties and her responsibilities. And we live in a society where perhaps it's changed to where people being more aware of their rights rather than their responsibilities. And I think people like that the other the ties that bind have withered during that time. And the BBC would have been a constant in people's lives back in 1952 and for many years afterwards. And that, yes. too, as a, as a major uh, binder of British life has, has changed. Um, the, the local factory and place of work that would have kept an awful lot of communities intact, yes. that's to a considerable extent gone. Um, some might argue that's a good thing in that the kind of factories and mines and other places of work that that people did, um, you know, earn their crust were pretty awful places too. But nevertheless, they did offer community and connection. And I think that that's what the the, the Queen has offered in some kind of vague, ephemeral way. It, it she is clearly, if you just looked at those pictures from the Mall yesterday, um, it was a real sign of the times. It was the, the Mall was as crowded as it was when she first took to that balcony in in the palace, which I think when she was um, a young girl of about 13, actually. So she's been going to that particular balcony for not longer than 70 years. Um, but all the people in the mouth, almost without exception yesterday, when the, that incredible fly-past of the RAF took place, um, were photographing it or videoing it. Yes. They weren't actually watching it themselves. Yes. Um, that, that's, a, that's a, I suppose, a similarity and a difference, a sign of the, the way in which things have changed. And the way in which the Queen has offered some some kind of continuity, and, and I think people are also somewhat wistful in that they know that there is almost certainly not going to be an 80th anniversary as well. Yes, I just wonder, Chris. Many people are speculating that when Queen Elizabeth passes, that the royal family could be in trouble. Charles will become king. He's not particularly popular, and who knows after that? A lot of the family, one thinks immediately of Prince Andrew, are delinquent, and Harry and Meghan are really a kind of, I don't know what you'd call them, a celebrity couple, but they're certainly not loved or indeed bound by any duties any longer because they've headed off to the United States of America. Is it a given that the royal family will continue to engage the British people and enjoy the kind of respect 
that Queen Elizabeth has bestowed upon it. Yeah, I think that respect was earned by Elizabeth over many decades. And I think some of that will pass to Charles, but not all of it. And that's the tricky journey that he has to negotiate, is that he's going to have to earn the respect, or at least some of the respect that his mother, um, that flowed to his mother. And if he doesn't do that in ways that the British people respond to, I do think, and this might be motivated reasoning on my part, I might be hoping for this rather than thinking it's going to happen. I think the royal family could be in trouble because you don't have to go too far below Queen Elizabeth in terms of the hierarchy of the royal family, as you rightly said. Once you start getting to people like Andrew and others who um, clearly do not enjoy the respect or love of the British people, um, it, it, it seems to me that the royal family um, has got a lot of work to do after Prince, after Queen Elizabeth passes on um, to really estab- re-establish itself as, as part of, of the British constitutional settlement. Um, I think it's on very shaky ground, actually. I, I think that, that various radical solutions, they would be better advised to try different, more perhaps more radical solutions. Um, I would be tempted, if I was an advisor to Charles, to pass the um, the, the throne onto his son and and to relinquish it. Uh, that may be, I don't, I don't think he's going to. I think he badly wants to be king yes. for a while. Um, another radical suggestion that some others have made, actually, given the the, the way in which referenda are, are the flavour of the month in the UK at the moment, following Brexit and all of that sort of thing, one of the ways of establishing his popularity is to, would be to actually ask the British people, do you want me to be king? And um, I, I think I think people would actually then say yes, because they've been given the chance to have a say. Because one of the, one of the things that I think is very important is that is the, the British people somehow or other are allowed to say what they think about the institution. And the mere fact of asking them would show the British people mutual respect from the monarchy, and then um, I think they might return it. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a very intriguing suggestion that others have made. But I do think he's on shaky ground, and he's going to have to work very, very hard to get anywhere near the level of respect that his mother has. Just before we leave the subject, Chris, it was noticeable yesterday that President Macron from France and uh, President of the United States, Joe Biden, both sent personal good wishes to her, and in the case of Macron, and indeed in the case of Joe Biden, they seemed to be sincere and apolitical in the sense there was no advantage for them, I wouldn't have thought. But she has gained the respect of the world, which is remarkable when you think of Britain's place in the world and how, in many senses, it's diminished. Yeah, I mean, I think when she took the um, throne in 1952, Britain still ruled over something like 60 or 70 countries. There was still an awful lot of empire that was left. They'd only just begun the big retreat. I think they're now down to about 11 or 12. Um, It's, you know, it's been a remarkable period in all sorts of different ways, characterized, as I said earlier on, by change. And I think people like Biden and Macron would be looking on, you know, a head of state who for 70 years, who has successfully negotiated all of this monumental political, social and economic yes. change to emerge at 96 years old um, as, as the most beloved head of state that anybody can, any historian can point to, um, that uh, is, is, is in, in and of itself 
an extraordinary, if not unique, achievement. And I think that you know it shows that they're quite um, uh, big people. Um, to there's no, as you say, no political advantage, but they are recognising a monumental, if you like, political achievement, if nothing else, that the Queen has achieved over that seventy year period. But there were there were French and Americans in the mall yesterday who'd made the yes. trick just to see this. So the popularity isn't just amongst British people. It's with, not, and not even expat Brits, actual French and Americans were there having made the trip, especially to be in London for the Jubilee. So her popularity um, is mostly within Britain, yes, but it does extend across a few borders as well. Again, a remarkable achievement. Yes, and to be respected after a 70-year stay in the public I is a considerable achievement. I must say, by my own feelings for her, I'm I'm not a royal, I'm a believer in monarchies or royals at all. Is that she seems to be a remarkably stable, considerate, and shrewd judge of behaviour and the public mood, and there isn't a whiff of arrogance of her. She seems to be what you see. And there is another question. Is, uh, I'll end with this. It is this universal fondness for a woman who really remains unknown to people, known only by her gestures. And so I suppose by the things that she didn't do as much as things she actually did. Yeah, I think the source of her popularity is in part a mystery, which kind of, in a way, almost explains itself, because this is all a bit peculiar, because she hasn't done anything for 70 years, apart from just be there and be who she is. As you say, what you see is what you get. Not saying very much, never pronouncing on politics. No. uh, Talking to the nation once a year on Christmas Day, um, occasionally talking about the horrible year that she's just had, mostly talking about her family, um, hopefully without there being too much family controversy. She clearly has had a dreadful family in the sense that her husband during their early years of their marriage was clearly, um, shall we say, a bit of a playboy. Yeah. Um, uh, There there are all sorts of scandals that we know about with the royal family going, going through many generations of them. There was an obituary in the London Times this week of a a totally unknown London aristocratic playboy whose mother, and it was just revealed in this um, obituary, had had an affair in like just after the Second World War with George VI, Queen Elizabeth's father. Right. And the British British people are normally told that this man was a paragon of virtue who was, the the monarchy was thrust upon him because of the abdication of his dastardly brother who went off with a divorced woman, all this kind of stuff. (laughs) And yet all this, all this sort of thing, it was revealed without comment in the times this week that, that the Queen Elizabeth's father had 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 a torrid affair just after the second world war. So yes, the the, the queen has had an interesting life with a very interesting family. And, and and I think people admire her for mysterious reasons, but I think they admire her for just obviously coping with, um, uh, an unusually dysfunctional family. And, um, and, and I think part of that most of us can relate to. Yes, and her love of racehorses and the odd gin and tonic. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now, Chris, this jubilee is going to continue for four days. And then something far more important and relevant to contemporary life may well appear. That is trouble for Boris Johnson. It is believed, the speculation seems strong, that around 40 to 44 of the 54 letters required to be sent to the 1922 committee to trigger a contest for the Tory party leadership, about 44 of them are there and publicly owned, as it were, by the people who sent them, which almost certainly means that the 54 required are there as well, which will mean that Boris Johnson will face a leadership challenge. And some very senior Tories have come out in recent days to challenge him and to comment on the damage he's doing to the Tory party and indeed their personal distaste for the way he's behaved. The Jubilee is the latest thing to come to his rescue, but Monday or Tuesday might bring very interesting news. Yeah, there there was a very interesting moment in that jubilee at St Paul's Cathedral only this morning when Prime Minister Johnson and his wife Carrie turned up at the steps of St Paul's Cathedral. The crowds in great mood, great humour, cheering and clapping everybody that arrives, uh, all very happy with the jubilee as we've just discussed. It's It's a great unifying event for the British people. When Johnson stepped out of his car and took Carrie's hand, there was loud booing. Really? Took, took every that. commentator by surprise. If you just listen to the commentary as it was going on live, 
uh, the, the commentators that I were listening to were astonished by this, and it was a, a noticeable mood change on the part of the crowd. And it speaks to, I think, a very interesting idea that I've seen touted in the last day or two by, by some political analysts, which is that Johnson is becoming the Conservative Party's Jeremy Corbyn, in that Corbyn was always supported by fanatical, hard-left Labourites, but lost mainstream Labour yes. uh, a long time ago. And in the same way, there is a hard core of support for Johnson on the right of the Tory party, on the extreme of the Tory party, but he is losing mainstream Conservatives, losing mainstream Britain, the ones yes. that voted for him last time around. That's an interesting theory. Um, it's yet to play out in practice. But as you say, it looks like, without knowing for sure, that the votes are in for their uh, for a vote of no confidence to be triggered in Johnson. Um, last time around, this happened. It was to Theresa May. And to, as with her and with other votes like this, uh, we will never we never know in advance until the chairman of the 1922 committee tells us whether the votes are in. Because a lot of MPs do tell us they have sent their letters. Quite a few of them afraid of putting their head above the parapet, do not tell us, but they, they nevertheless send the letter. But I think you're right. It looks quite likely that there will be a vote, a confidence vote in Johnson held amongst the uh, Parliamentary Conservative Party. But it is also said, and I think quite rightly, by analysts, that if he wins that vote by, by just one vote, that he will not budge. No. But, um, the most likely thing is that yes. he will win, and it doesn't matter how small the majority he will not budge. In his own words, it, it's going to take a flamethrower to get him out of 10 Downing Street. So it will be an interesting dynamic. He is technically safe for a year. There can't be another confidence vote under the rules of the game. Um, but as Theresa May found, there may well be other routes, less official ones, to getting him out. But it's going to be a very interesting dynamic come next week, absolutely. I must say, Chris, he is a truly contemptible human being, and politician, what he's tried to do with the Northern Ireland Protocol, ripping up the agreement with the European Union, an agreement which allowed him to run an election and win by 80 seats with every intention of tearing up one of the most important aspects of it afterwards. And there are so, there is so much else that render him a contemptible. He lied to the DUP. He lied to Leo Varadkar. He's lied to almost everybody he's ever had anything to do with. And there is another thing that somebody pointed out. Most people who have contact with Johnson on any serious or prolonged period of time gets damaged. I mean, he damages other people. The list is endless. The latest yes. is Rishi Sunak. Yes, indeed, um, who, whose wife was also sucked in by a revelation that she was a non-dom. In other words, she was non-domiciled for tax purposes. It's everybody that comes within Johnson's orbit somehow or other, either personally or politically, gets damaged. It, it, uh, there's, there's a very, very long list. Uh, one, one name on that list, of course, is Dominic Cummings. Yes. And I would urge you to read, I'd urge any of your listeners to read an interview in on, in an online publication called unheard.com this week, which is an interview with Mr. Cummings, which makes the remarks that you've just made about, about Johnson um, even more um, pertinent in the sense that he, he has been a front row observer yes. of, of many of these things. But he 
clearly thinks that Johnson um, is toast. Um, I suspect that is what he would like to believe, and that may or may not turn out to be true. But he points out that the most likely, and others are pointing this out too, the most likely successor to Johnson, should they find a way of getting him out, which, I, as I said, is, is somewhat uncertain, the most likely successor is Liz Truss. And, <laughs> and, and oh, Cummings, had, Cummings, <laughs> Cummings had an interesting expression or description of um, Liz Truss in that she was the absolutely, and this is, I'm quoting here, yes. the most crackers of all the cracker politicians that I ever met in, yes. in Westminster. And Dominic, Dominic Green, who, who is another name, who was a, um, a prominent centrist Tory under Theresa yeah. May, you and I have talked about him. Former past. Attorney General. He also thinks that it's going to be trust that takes over, mostly because it, she's the one that seems to want it the most. Yes. Um, uh, the Tory party appears to have lost its, its head and its sense. Yes, and this is why I think this description of Johnson as Labour... Labour, um, as the Conservatives, Jeremy Corbyn is absolutely right because yes. Labour is still struggling from that Corbynite legacy, and they're trying to dis- rediscover or just discover what it is, what it is for. Keir Starmer gets blamed for this, and I think quite unfairly, actually, is that once Corbyn took Labour on that particular extremist journey, it, it, the way back is very hard to find. And the Conservatives, in their own way, have now done something similar. They've gone on this extremist journey that has delivered, and it's always important to remember this, the Brexit that Johnson delivered was the hardest, the most diamond-hard Brexit that any Brexiteer ever imagined, ever dreamed about. Nobody yes. ever thought that they would, they, the Leavers themselves never thought they could get this hard a Brexit delivered, And but so it has proved, and it is proving to be, as we always say, a, a complete disaster. But he's taken from the Conservative Party on this extremist journey of right-wing populism politics, culture wars, Brexit wars, and all that kind of yes. stuff, whilst at the same time presiding over a high-tax economy, the highest taxes on income since at least the 1950s. So it is the most untraditional conservative set of policies that you could imagine, because conservatism is, is not supposed to be about radical change, which Brexit has been, and it's, if anything, supposed to be about small government and low taxes. This is big government and very high taxes. So the journey back for old-fashioned conservatism is going to be a very interesting and difficult one. It, it, in a way, is not that different to what the Republicans have experienced in the United States. And there are plenty of people who think that the journey that Trump took the Republican Party on means that the old Republican Party, the values that they traditionally stood for, have gone forever. Yes. That there is no, that there is no way back, which, it, which it will be very interesting uh, to watch whether the Conservative, Conservative Party finds the same thing when Johnson has gone. Well, we'll see what happens, Chris. Uh, it was David Cameron who called him a greasy piglet, and we'll see if he can wriggle his way out of this one. We're very grateful to you for joining us today. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. That's Chris Johns. We're grateful to Chris, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.